Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is David opposing the Matrix. It is uh, the 20th of December, 2020. 12 2020. Interesting. I have to look at that later. Um, anyway, it's 10:52 p.m. on the left coast. That is it, as it currently stands, the uh, left coast, the uh, communist coast. Um, our um, Taskmasters being the politicos on the left and um, who are plunging us into what will soon be a very chaotic and perplexing either civil war or revolution. I see it as being both. Um, you know, I I always put God first, Yahweh first, and I... Because as believers in Yahweh, we, or Yeshua, we, um, we live not in this world as residents, we live as pilgrims. But needless to say, we're here anyway, and while we're here living in the United States, we're afforded the, the luxury, or the blessing maybe is a better word, of being able to vote, um, our leaders into office. However, our leaders aren't always our leaders um, in a sense that they were meant to be. Our leaders are always meant to be servants of the people, and they've made themselves overlords, And uh, which is something that the uh, the founding fathers saw, sort of first saw. It was it's interesting, and and we'll get into that tonight because I want to. Um, but um, there's two things that choke me up. When I'm um, I'm listening to music, uh, the first thing, of course, is when I listen to anointed music. I like to listen to uh, a fellow named Keith Green. A lot of his music, or <laughs> I'd say most of it, if not all, is very anointed with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, my friend Lloyd Bennett um, down in California, we would often remark that uh, if we wanted to drive our cars or trucks or whatever we were driving, that we would not plug in Keith Green music because it usually led to tears flowing because it just that's just the way it is. It's uh, His music leads to tears of thankfulness, uh, joy, overwhelming joy. And, um, and sometimes conviction. Okay. But mostly thankfulness. And, and it's the kind of thankfulness that you can't really express with words. Um, I think we express a lot when it comes with, when it comes to tears. Our tears are an expression so much so that it says somewhere in scripture that, uh, he saves our tears in a bottle. And he mentions that, uh, when we get to heaven, he'll wipe away all of our tears. So our tears are very important to to Yahweh. And I know that, you know, when I was brought up, and I'm sure a lot of, if you're a man and you're listening, you were taught the same thing, that men don't cry. Um, and, and for the most part, we don't. Okay. We're not, uh, we're, men for the most part are built on um, problem solving. We're not built on emotions. Uh, women are built on emotions, and thank God that they are because they keep us in line many times. Um, but men are fixers. Men are doers. Men are, are, are um, we think with logic. Women think with emotion. 
And together, if used correctly, it's a very good combination. I happen to think that my wife and I are a very good combination. Um, because when I'm, you know, stark raving, um, pissed off might be a good word to use or a good phrase. She'll, she'll come to me with words that, well, maybe this, maybe that. And, you know, and, and, uh, it causes me to think. And, uh, women have a way of using logic towards men that cause men to think. And, um, and that's the way that God created men and women, that Yahweh created us. And, um, and it's a really neat combination if it's, if it's used for Yahweh, from Yahweh, and for his glory. If it's used for vain glory as the world uses it, it's, it'll always fail one way or another. Either woman, either the woman will become dominant over the man or the man will become dominant and abusive over the woman. Um, because pride enters in. Pride is one of our main enemies. It's what caused Satan to fall from, from grace. Um, he thought that he could be like the most high and, uh, and it happens to rear its ugly head up in our lives too. Many, many times. So, um, we have to guard against pride, but, uh, anyway, I don't want to get off the subject too much, but, um, anyway, it's, uh, it's a good thing that, uh, that Yahweh has made such a combination of men and women. Um, that's, and that's why. Um, the homosexual, um, coupling does not work because if you have two people that are, that, uh, both possess, um, X chromosomes cohabiting with one another, cohabitating with one another, excuse me, um, both act on emotions and, um, very, very little are the times when there's logic involved. And if you have two men living together, they're both living on logic or for the most part are, or should be, and there's no, uh, no emotion involved. And if it's, if there is emotion involved, usually it's, um, it's the emotion that pride brings, uh, with jealousy. So, um, anyway, so I was, um, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately because I, I've been watching this whole election mess and um, seeing how the Democrats have, or I should say the leftists, excuse me, how they're uh, trying to steal the election from uh, from President Trump. And in many cases, uh, the judges that have been presented these uh, different lawsuits have turned them down, and it's because they're judges that uh, were mostly um, appointed by uh, liberal presidents like Obama. Um and it happens here in Oregon too, you know. It's um, we do have some Republicans in the legislature here in Oregon, the state legislature. But there, first of all, there's not enough of them to make a difference. And second of all, if they could make a difference, I think there's five Supreme Court judges, and three of them have been appointed by the governor, Kate Brown. So they, there's a ruling majority there. So basically it's a dictatorship instead of a, any kind of democracy. And we'll get into what democracy is and how democracy is not what we are intended to be and it's not what we will be after the revolution happens um anyway uh, so i've been doing a lot of thinking you know because i i love this country dearly i really do it's um right after the my faith in yeshua 
and my love for Yeshua and my love for um, El Elyon, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you might put it that way. Um, right after that comes love of country. And um, I, um, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked by the thought of uh, what Douglas MacArthur said. And um, anyway, and I'll, and I'll share that later if the, whole, if the whole thought comes into my mind. I've just got two of the three words I was thinking of. Um, but uh, there's, there's a difference between the generals of that time and the generals of this time because each one of them had some degree of faith. And the generals today, are, are many of them are just power hungry. There are some righteous generals in, in power, but um, there, there are many um, wicked men that are in the Pentagon and are serving there for wicked reasons. And um, so that puts... Uh, Kind of a little bit of uh, hot tar on the uh, the subject when it comes to moving smoothly uh, with what's going to happen in the future. Um, anyway, so um, let me maximize a couple of things. So um, where do I go with this? This is a really hard subject to talk about, and I you know I want to be able to. To present it to you um, with clarity and with um, the lack of emotion that wells up inside of me when I think about this country and what's happening to it. Um, there are times when I think about the soldiers that fought in all the wars that this country has ever fought in, uh, the the Revolutionary War, the, um, the War of 1812, the Civil War, the Spanish-American War. Um, World War One, World War Two, the Korean War. It's not a conflict, it was a war. Um, there were minor skirmishes, also um, the Bay of Pigs invasion. Um, the uh, What happened down in, um, oh, what was it, uh, Grenada, or Grenada, however you want to say it. Uh, the whole reason why the Marine Corps was uh, formed was because of piracy in the in the Mediterranean by the uh, by the Libyans and uh, and other Arab countries who were were uh, abducting American soldiers and sinking American ships if if the United States didn't pay ransom. Um, and that was quickly cleared up once the Marines were were formed and uh, the Navy was given permission to go clean that up. Um, but, um, anyway, as I see, so the war in Vietnam and then, uh, the, uh, the two Gulf Wars, uh, Afghanistan, and I hope I'm not leaving anything out. I really am. I really hope not. But, um, anyway, uh, you start to wonder, you know, when you, when you look at what's happening today, you, uh, you wonder if. And please, I'm, I'm not being trying to be um, over-righteous or, or anything like that, but you wonder if the sacrifice that our soldiers made in all the other wars that we've ever thought, fought um, was worth it when we see the outcome that's happening today. In other words, um, if the soldiers that went into Europe to fight the Nazis realized that um, in 2020 or anywhere from, I say anywhere from 2000 on, on up, uh, 
that the Democrat leftists would be trying to um, turn this country into uh, another Nazi Germany. Um, you'd wonder if they would ever stop and think, hey, are, you know, why are we fighting this war when we're, you know, it's going to happen anyway in, um, in the late 20th century and early 21st century, you know. Um, but I am thankful for their, their service and, and their sacrifice. They paid the ultimate sacrifice for freedom, and it's kept us free for for many years from, from the Nazism or socialism, national socialism. Um, and the the, uh, the strength of the soldiers during the Cold War kept us from, first of all, going to war, but also uh, the end result was the um, the forces of the Soviet Union uh, collapsing. It, it actually collapsed under its own weight. And um, especially when Reagan announced that we had Star Wars, it was <laughs> it was it was something that the the oppressors on the other side realized that they could never defeat. So they caved. They gave in, and that's a good thing. Um, but you know, the all the people that ever served and fought against communism, and that would be in Vietnam, uh, Korea. You know, my dad, for instance. You know, he he fought in Korea. What would he think now if he saw the the leftist uh, Democrats basically trying to hand the country over to the New World Order? Um, you know, my dad died at a, a quite an early age. He died at uh, I think he was so 69, 68 when he passed away. And, and I, you know, I've always mourned that he passed away at such a young age because most people, their fathers lived to be in their 70s, late 70s, 80s, even 90s. And I lost my dad and my best friend when, um, you know, when he was 68. And I felt robbed and cheated. I really did. I, um, I felt like I got a raw deal from Yahweh, but, uh, I was stopped one day cause I was, I was praying, you know, and I said, Lord, you know, I, I miss him so much. And he said, well, you know, you had to depend on your dad for, for advice and you had to depend on your dad for telling you what was right and what was wrong. He says, well, you know what? I, I brought him home, but you still have a father that you have to answer to and who will give you answers. And, and that's me. And, um, it just really set me straight. It really did. And um, see, if my dad was still alive and he saw what was going on, he would probably have a stroke or a heart attack anyway. And he died a rel- relatively peaceful death. And uh, who knows what it would have been like if he would have lived to see what's going on today, you know. So in that way, uh, Yahweh granted him mercy. And, uh, well, granted all of us mercy, all his family, because we didn't have to watch him suffer like maybe we would have if he was still alive and he saw that his effort for fighting communism and socialism in Vietnam, or excuse me, in Korea was basically nullified by what the left is doing today. And you'll notice that the left is, is doesn't ever act when a prior generation that fought a great war is alive. Um, now that the, uh, the World War II vets that, uh, well, the minute that they started dying off, um, all of a sudden, uh, the people that, uh, support, uh, or have the notion that, uh, the Holocaust never happened, they started, like, uh, cockroaches started coming out of the woodwork because there was nobody to refute what they were saying. 
and now the people that fought communism, and even more importantly, the people that first came here um, at the beginning of communism, communism to escape from it are all dying off. And um, I'll tell you a story. Um, I, uh, I was working at a pharmacy, and I probably told this story before online, but I'm going to tell it again. And um, one of the delivery drivers, I think he was from Belarus, and Belarus was part of the Soviet Union, and they suffered under the uh, the uh, the Russians, or I should say the Soviets, for uh, quite a few years, several decades. And um, and he brought the newspaper in when Obama was elected. Uh, it was a pretty pretty quiet and glum time that day, and uh, you know you you could tell the the people that voted for him were very happy, but the majority of the people that I worked with were not very happy. Either that or they knew not to say anything, which was wise. But um, anyway, so he's, I said, how you doing? He goes, not so good. And I said, well, what's the matter? Are you sick or something? I kind of knew what he was going to tell me, but I just wanted to find out. Um, and he put the paper in front of me and it had that Obama won and he said, you know, he says, I lived under the Soviet Union for ever since I was born. He says, and when things were falling apart there, I came to the United States figuring I could get away from that forever and, and not have to live under communism or socialism anymore. He said, and it was a terrible way to live. And, and he, then he pointed to the newspaper, specifically to the, um, the headline that says Obama wins the election. And uh, and then he looks at it in the mean he goes and now this and he looks so defeated like you know he <laughs> like he escaped something and now what he escaped was almost it was almost like it was chasing him and he he looks so defeated and I said well you know at the very most the guy will be in for eight years I said maybe we can get on with uh, better things you know and. Um, and we did, but, um, anyway, so, uh, and you know, what's, what's really kind of sad is that it used to be that people could flock to the United States cause the United States was free and, uh, where many of the areas of the earth were not free and they could experience freedom and live in freedom. But now that the United States is going down the road of socialism and and I hope that there's a roadblock that comes up real soon so we can't continue. But um, now that the United States, um, half the people, or it seems like half the people of this country are are uh, brainwashed into thinking that socialism is a good thing. Um, now that that's happening, it's uh, it's like you can't go anywhere to get away. You know, um, I had mentioned to my wife um a few weeks ago, I says, well, you know, maybe we could just Im- immigrate to Israel. You know, that, that would, you know, there's always going to be an Israel. Okay. We know that from scripture. Um, into the millennium and they're even, Israelis or sons of Jacob are even going to have a, um, a special place in the, in the new Jerusalem. And I said, so, you know, that's, that might be a safer place. And then I hear that Netanyahu and his, his band of uh, merry men, so to speak, have uh, basically made an edict that all Israelis are going to have to be vaccinated with that new garbage that they're coming out with. And uh, 
choose, have they choose not to be vaccinated, they're going to get a special mark put on their passport where they can't leave the country. And uh, also, in order to shop, every time you want to shop, you got to have a COVID test before you go out. Then you have 48 hours to shop. Then you got to go home and stay home. So it's it's very similar to the Bible uh, in Revelation talking about uh, having the seal on the right hand or the forehead. Um, and without the seal, not being able to buy and sell. It's almost like it's a litmus test to see how many people will fall for this. And I hope everybody in the world raises up against this and shows them, hey, no, this isn't going to work. We're not going to do this. It might buy us another 25 or 30 years um, until they can implement something like that. It's, I mean, it's not going to be great for our grandchildren, but, um, you know, it's every generation has to, to take their lumps in this uh great big stupid world that we live in unfortunately but um anyway so i i find my i found myself the other night a little mournful of the fact that you know the it, it's almost um it almost seemed to me at that time that all the soldiers that had ever fought had died in vain um because you know the the civil war was fought for states rights and it was also fought to free the slaves. Well, the, the, the black people have never been free. They've been, um, they've been pronounced free. Um, but they've always been discriminated against, even in the North and especially in the South for many years. And then, um, when Jim Crow sort of ended, that, that era ended, um, for the most part it ended. It's, it still exists in some areas, but, um, Along comes President Johnson, who offers the Great Society, which uh, offers um, a lot of people welfare. And there, don't get me wrong, there are people that need need welfare. They need um, assistance from the government. But um, basically, it was fran- it was uh, handed out free willy nilly to anybody that wanted it. And um, since then, the the African Americans or the blacks in this country have suffered under economic slavery. Because they're promised things by the by the socialist Democrats, um, they're promised everything under the sun basically, if they get the vote of the the, the black Americans, and then uh, once they're in office, all that stuff gets forgotten, and I, they have every right in the world to be angry and upset about uh, about that, and um, and, and I'm think I've prayed for years, folks. I have that that black America would wake up and see that the Democrats have them in a form of slavery. That's much worse than the, probably than the slavery that they were in before. Yes, they, they have food, clothing and shelter, but if they don't vote the right way, that goes away. So that's slavery as far as I'm concerned, you know, um, anyway, uh, so, I'm going to read a, a little thing that I wrote the other day and, and, uh, and I, it was, it's something that was on my heart. Um, as I mentioned before, my dad was in, well, he was in the U.S. Army band during the Korea War, but still they, um, they suffered casualties. Um, you know, you know, you're not playing your instrument 24 seven. You're, you're also fighting a war, you know, and, uh, when um, 
you know how to shoot a rifle and you're trained to do so and um, you're called upon to do it, you do it. And my dad and many others that were in the bands did that, if not all the people that were in the bands. So they had they had the dual purpose over there. Um, but, uh, you know, my uh, my understanding is that my dad um, was, was injured not so much um, um, in the body but in the mind. Um, uh, the truck that he had been in had run over a landmine and some people were injured in that. And, um, you know, that might seem innocuous to some people, but uh, to others that know what PTSD is now, um, they used to call it shell shock or war fatigue, battle fatigue. Um, but now they have, of course, a psychiatric name for it, and it's called, uh, <laughs> I just said it, it's called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And, um, and it can be treated, but it's not easy. And I realize now over these years, my dad suffered from that. And it might have been an adjunct to some other things that have been going on before. Um, I can't say that for sure. I never met my dad before I was born. So, um, but, um, so anyway, he, uh, he went through many years of, uh, disturbed sleep patterns, um, not being able to hold the job very well. Um, and other things, um, but uh, he never was abusive towards his children. He, uh, you know, he uh, he was towards my mother. I'm going to say that, you know, with a little bit of uh, humility, and uh, and I'm not going to honor my father for that. But uh, you know, when uh, they separated when I was 12. But anyway, so he he was in the U.S. Army band during the Korean War era. So. Um, his favorite music to listen to his band uh, was uh, marching, actually, marching music. Um, he played the baritone horn. He was also able to play the uh, trombone. And um, I think he was proficient more in the baritone, but the, also pretty proficient in the, bar- in the um, trombone. Pardon me while I kill this coffee. Oh, yuck, cold coffee. Anyway, um and he played the baritone horn really well. He, uh, when he was a young boy, my, my grandfather played the baritone also, his dad. And um, uh, they studied under a man called Gaetano Didimo, um, who at one time had been the um, the, the maestro for the uh, the Queen of Italy, of all things. And so the man was, was quite versed on how to write music, how to play music, and uh Remember, Dad told me that he once told my dad that he said, "Jimmy, if you stick with me, I'll have you playing stuff that nobody else will be able to play." And um, my dad had a hard time keeping commitments. Um, so while he did uh, partake in some of the lessons that he was offered, he didn't partake in all of them. And um, but he was um, at or around the time of his death, he was actually taking. Um, Music, uh, you got to realize that music from uh, Europe is written and played in different keys and different chords and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know a lot about that. I never studied music. I played the baritone in grade school for a while, but that was it. Um, so um, he was actually taking that music, and a lot of it was Italian marches. And he was converting it over so that it could be on an American scale. 
And then he was sharing it with a, a friend at the, of his, an acquaintance that he met up in Canada. And, um, and supposedly the guy was turning this stuff over to some museum or something that was, was cataloging it. I kind of lost contact with the man. If you listen to this and you are that guy, uh, get a hold of me. Go to the delusionresistance.org and I have my, all my contact information there. Um, I don't even remember your name. I remember reading a couple of letters that you had written, but that's about it. Um, so anyway, and, and, you know, I would talk to my dad once in a while and he'd say, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, when uh, you hear stars and stripes forever and you hear the, uh, the fife, you know, playing that little piece, I said, yeah, he says, well, I've been fooling around. He says, and I've been playing that on the trombone or on the, on the baritone. So he actually was converting music that was made for wind wind instruments to uh to brass and and uh I can remember being a little boy and he'd he'd go into a um we lived in kind of like a compound thing with my grandfather and the whole family lived uh, together an uncle my dad and my grandfather we all had different living spaces but all on the same property and I can remember him going to my uh my grandparents bathroom because they had great harmonics was all tile and cement and uh, he would go in there and practice all the time it was it was it's a neat memory i still have but um anyway um getting back to what i wrote and i'm reading this to you because um i I posted it on facebook and a a good friend of mine where he has become a good friend over the last few months um said, David, this is fantastic. You know, I'm going to send it to all my friends, and I hope that everybody reads it. And he says, and you need to publish this wherever you can. And so, well, what better way than uh, on the computer, on a, on a radio show, right? Um, so anyway, so I grew up listening to military marches, bugle calls, and other such things. Um, now, Dad had a fondness for military marches of all different flavors, um, he liked Italian military marches. I never really got into that. I, I guess, you know, I was more of an American. I had more of a flair for American stuff, as, as did he, but he liked the, uh, the Italian stuff. And one of the things that he really liked, and I guess I can say it now since he's been dead for over 20 years, um, he, he saw a great deal of pride and, um, in dedication in uh, in some of the German marches of World War Two, and um, he said that he always admired the the zeal that the the singers would have, and the 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 um, the way that the uh, the instrument players would play their um, their instruments had a great deal of uh, uh, respect, I guess would be a good word for for what they were doing, you know. It's kind of hard to explain, but uh, I can remember one time <laughs> um, I came home with my grandfather, and uh, when we when we got home, my dad was actually in my grandfather's house, and because uh, they had an excellent stereo system in there um, back when it was you know brand new stereo was, and uh, hi-fi was uh, the big thing, and. He was playing a record, um, and one of the songs on there was Deutschland über alles. Well, that happened to be the song for uh, for the Nazi Germany, <laughs> and uh, and he was playing it. Now, it's I think it still is the national anthem, but the wording has been changed. 
Um, and it, basically the song Deutschland über alles means Deutsch, uh, Germany over all or above all. And uh, it's heavily um, nationalistic in nature and stuff. But he just liked the way that the, the zeal that the uh, the singers had for that, you know, when they were singing that song. And um, it wasn't uh, a feigned sort of thing. Like they were, they were just military people that were just singing it just because it was their job. It was like they put their whole heart and soul into singing it. And he really admired that. And, you know, my dad was totally not... A national socialist or nor was he communistic or anything else but he knew that uh, when people took pride in what they believed and he respected that okay um, just as we should respect um, our own national pride um, and that's something that's really waning anyway so from time to time um well, first of all, you know, I, I really loved my dad and I miss him a lot, uh, a great deal. We went into that with the Lord spoke to me. And um, from time to time, I, I get onto YouTube and I hadn't done this for very long. It's only been like two or three years, but I discovered that the United States Marine Corps band, um, and they call themselves, themselves the President's Own. So it's the President's Own United States Marine Corps band. Um you can listen to a lot of the um, John Philip Sousa music that uh, that the military, our, our military has played over the years, and you can listen to different army songs and stuff like that. That yes, they play army songs and and Marine Corps hymns and stuff like that. And um, it's uh, by far they're probably the the, the better band. Uh, I do listen to the the American uh, or the uh, excuse me the United States Army band. And I love their rendition for Stars and Stripes Forever because they actually have, they actually sing. They have a chorus that sings the words to it. And, uh, uh I won't play it here, but, um, if you ever get a chance, if you like this kind of music, you know, and, and it brings up a national, uh, or a feeling of national pride for you, um, it's, it's, it's really nice to listen to and I, it brings out a lot of emotion in me because um, as I was listening the other night, I started to cry and almost uncontrollably, you know, because I was thinking about, like I mentioned earlier, all the men that have ever fought for this country. And um, and when uh, there's oh, that song, um, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, there's a few renditions of that on uh, on YouTube. And, and one of them is uh, is quite moving. And because uh, it shows it shows pictures or, you know, from movies and whatever from uh, the Civil War and uh, and also the, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to say World War Two and Vietnam and things like that. So you it's putting pictures together with the music and it's it's quite a moving rendition of uh, of that song. Um, but um uh, by far, I like Stars and Stripes Forever the best, and uh, the Army Band sings the uh, the chorus to it, and it's it's very rousing. It really is. So I, the other night I was listening, and you know, with all that stuff going through me, and watching our country going down the drain, or or people trying to make it go down the drain, I should say. Hopefully that'll be stopped really soon. Um, 
it really bothered me and it's it's I had all these swirling emotions going on in, in within me and um like I said the only other time I I cry like that is when I'm listening to the Christian music that uh, is really anointed by the Lord and um so anyway um so I was I was reflecting on how our country is divided and how much hate exists between people now, I've been through a lot in my life, and I really don't fear much, but I do fear the civil war that is here, because it's a social civil war right now, and will escalate to a physical civil war in our country. I'm already mourning all of the death that will, will occur, because there will be a lot of dead people when this is all over. Uh, death and war is, is useless. Um, it only achieves the goal of the elite that want us to fight each other. If you knew who ran wars and why they're fought, it's it's because of the bankers and the elites that uh, make money off of war. I think that if it wasn't for them, that uh, people would just kind of blow off a lot of stuff and and we wouldn't fight as much. But um, if at all, but um, you know the elites they uh, they ignite us into rage against other people. And uh, once you get to know other people and realize that they they don't want to fight us as much as we don't want to fight them. You, you realize that there is a, um, oh, well, there's a scripture that I'll read later, but you realize that there are powers that are, um, far, far higher than human beings that are controlling powers of uh, elite human beings or people that think they're elite bankers and such who uh, want us to fight each other so they can make more money, uh, or take over property or land where they can make money. Uh, one good example would be the Bush family and how they're an oil family and how all of a sudden we were in a war in Iraq and then, um, and we were promised, oh, well, you know, yeah, we're going to get a lot of free oil out of this and the price of oil is going to go down. Well, that never happened. That's because if the price of oil went down, the Bush family would not have made any money. Um, and yes, I think the Bush family is just as criminal as George Soros and a lot of other, um, Families that are out there, other like like the Clintons and the Obamas and stuff like that, they're all they're all serpent seed and they're all from the uh, they're all from the or belong to the same uh, clubs, so to speak, the uh, Illuminati club and uh, all those other demonic uh, clubs that are out there, um, and 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 the, the demonic seed lines too that uh, they all. Because they're all related in one way or another, believe it or not. There are lists on the internet you can read to see that they're all um, either cousins, second or third or fourth cousins. Um, yes, even even Obama. Okay. Uh, so I've been a lot through my through a lot in my life, and I don't fear much, but I do uh, fear the civil war that's here and will escalate in our country. I'm already mourning a death that will occur. Death in war is, is useless. It only achieves the goal of the elites. They want us to fight each other. On the flip side, though, death in war is necessary because the other guy is convinced by his leaders that he needs to kill us. So many lives are snuffed out, and uh, and it's such a waste. It really is. Think about all those people that... I think about those soldiers that in, in World War too you know they knew they were going off to war and they spent the last few days with their brand new brides and um, a lot of the brides became pregnant um, 
and had children uh, only to find that the the father was killed in the war and uh, so a lot of kids grew up without fathers um, it's sad it really is um, we we've had a, a cold civil war raging in our country for decades not because of what of what i see as a as anything just uh, but because people demand to have their rights elevated above the rights of others. The promise of freedom has undone us. It really has. It's become perverted. It's been used against us. Freedom is something that you take for yourself. Okay. It's something that is, you forcefully take for yourself or you inherit because somebody in your family help to forcefully take it. But anyway, um, liberty is something that's endowed upon us. Okay, so they're different. Freedom is taken. Liberty is given. Uh, freedom is promised to us by Yahweh, obtained by for us by the blood of Yeshua, and not necessarily in a, a physical freedom either, but by a peace that passes all understanding which leads to a physical freedom that is manifest in the spirit and can never be taken away. Liberty is basically the grace of Yahweh, and like freedom, it's something that's given without measure, but only to those <clears throat> to those who have it bestowed upon them after having come to faith in Yeshua. Okay, you see the two-way street that we got going here? It's all relationship. Um, yes, the Constitution, well, I'll, I'll get into that. Um, freedom is follow is promised to us by the founding documents of the United States through the founding fathers, but those documents are only as good as those who have sworn to protect the words contained within therein. Um, our founding fa- our, excuse me, our founding documents established government, and that government is supposed to be of the people, by the people, and for the people, and only when it and only when it is. That way, it will not perish from the earth. However, the politicians who are servants of our people have become our, the overlords of us, rulers and dignitaries, no different than uh, no different than we uh, fought to become free from during our revolution. They've become the tools of wicked people bent on foreign domination of America and destruction of our republic. You don't believe that? Check out George Soros that said he's out to destroy the United States and out to destroy um, capitalism. Okay, continuing on. This needs to change or or be corrected, and the republic needs to be reestablished. Many of the founding fathers stated that when government becomes corrupt and oppressive, then it is the duty of the nation's citizens to resolve the matter through revolution. Thomas Jefferson said that, folks. Um, hence, we now have a revolution on our hands, a situation where brother will be against brother, but our convictions must hold firm. We cannot be swayed by the winds of fear or contention. We must fight to regain our freedom, even if it means alienating ourselves from the long-held bonds of familiar love or brotherly friendship. The Republic must survive, and I'm afraid of this, of this, that it will be the, at a great cost, and if one, will take decades to recover from. However, to regain freedom, such sacrifices must be made for the sake of our children and our grandchildren. 
all good people fight for their their children and grandchildren and the lives of our neighbors progeny or their children um we enter into a dark period of time for our nation, a fight to see if we will retain the freedoms that we still have and regain those that we have lost. We fight against the leftist foe that chooses to hand over our nation to a world government and deprive us of what so many of our loved ones died to protect. The past dictates what we do and the future reaps benefits of our actions. And while our present is darkness and grim and gloomy we march on for our children even forth ever forth for our progeny with bravery in our hearts intent on preserving our republic i'll finish it off here and there's a scripture that promises that a day will come and it won't come until the return of yeshua but but remember this promise because it will happen. Um, and it's Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And he's talking about after the return of Mashiach or Messiah. He says, And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Isn't that wonderful to think about that that's going to happen someday? And President Lincoln, um, when he was given his Gettysburg Address, talked about the battle at Gettysburg and he said that the men that fought there had not died in vain um, and that uh, there would be a new birth of freedom in the land and that did happen after this the Civil War um, the slaves became free and um, I don't know if you know this but a lot of countries finance wars and Lincoln refused to take money from the European bankers and he issued greenbacks which were basically worth nothing but they were worth something here in the States. And uh, later on, they were um, um, turned back in for real money. Um, but I think it was quite a while before that happened. But anyway, um, I think it's very important to realize that uh, back in the 1860s, a war was fought to protect the, this union, to protect this republic. And I'm afraid it's going to have to happen again. Um the, uh, the leftists, um, and I'm talking about people like Schumer and Pelosi and, and especially, um, the, uh, or, or AOCs, I can never remember her name, uh, Ilian Omar and uh, Rashida, um, I can't remember her name either, but the one, the Palestinian that got elected from Michigan, um, they're just playing socialist leftists that are out to, um, they're, they're, in a way, you gotta respect them more because at least you know who they are. Uh, people like Schumer and Pelosi, they're, they're leftists and they're, they're, uh, they have a communist ideal, but they, they try to make us think that they're, uh, they're Americans and that they're, they're fighting for us. But, um, if you've got half your brain tied behind your back, you can re- figure out that they're, it's a sham and they're, um, they're full of uh, bovine scatology. And, um, 
you know, um, if you've ever known anybody, um, I talked in here about how um, people are going to have to not worry about what this is going to do. If, in other words, if you're if you have a brother and your brother believes and there's a Democrat, um, or your bro- brother believes that you shouldn't fight a war or whatever, um, you're going to have to just kind of ignore that and and take take it as it comes. Um, uh, part of the Civil War uh, back in the 1860s is that the brother was fighting against against brother and um, cousin against cousin and things like that and and uh, you know that's that's one of the hardest things that that had to be done at that time but um, you know if you fight for what's right in this country anymore um, you're ridiculed by some of your family you're uh, many times you could be outcast from your family depending on how many believe the way you do and how many don't um, I know in, in the Jewish faith if you um, if you come to faith in, in Yeshua, which is really just a completion of your Jewish faith, um, you you'll be disowned many times by your family. They'll um, they'll they'll treat you like you're dead. They'll even tell you that they you're dead in their eyes. But you have to do what's right. You know, if God's calling you, who's more important, right? Um, I think God's more important. Yahweh's more important than than, a, than any relative. Um, I've seen that a lot of times in um, in Jewish relationships that uh, um, that believers in Yeshua are cast off as if they never existed. And sometimes, you know, mothers and fathers who do the casting off or brothers they die, and um, there's no resolution, no. Um, mending of the ways, so to speak, uh, with that relationship. Uh, the same thing happens with other religions. Um, uh, for the longest time, if you were a Catholic and you became a Protestant, you had 101 anathemas against you. And there's still, hundred, I think, 101 anathemas in the Catholic Church against Protestants. Uh, and it's kind of funny because they want to unite with us and say that all's okay, but they won't get rid of those anathemas. Um Kind of like the uh, the Democrats want us all to unify, but they keep railing against uh, uh, patriots about how we're wrong and everything else, and uh, so they want their cake and eat it too. And I'm sorry you can't have that. So um, anyway, the the whole scope of of our country is changing, and um, Please, if you think we're a democracy, get that thought out of your head. We are not a democracy. We're a republic. And a republic is not a democracy. In a a democracy, it's mob rule. Okay, because it's the the largest percent of the population that rules over the population that's a smaller percentage. And uh, you can see that manifest in a lot of the states here out west. Um. I think it would be very smart for the states, every state to have its own electoral college and that every county would have a member to that electoral college. And like here in Oregon, any, anywhere east of the, uh, uh, the Cascade Mountains and, and if you go farther south, the whole south part of the state is basically Republican. 
yet there's two little cities or two big cities here in Oregon that uh, control everything. And if you want to throw a third one, and that's Salem. Um, and because they have the most population, you know, the everybody else has no say about it. And that's why the Electoral College in the, in the United States is so important, because it gives every state a say. Um, otherwise, New York and, and Los Angeles and San Francisco and a few other cities would would uh, domineer the whole country. Um, if you're going to go by popular votes, the founders of our, our Constitution and of our government knew that this would happen. That's why they established the Electoral College. Um, they, they were kind of used to it because um, <clears throat> back way back when, you know, in the 1760s, 1750s, um, when the colonies were all trying to get together, um, even the 1770s especially, um, the bigger states like New York and Pennsylvania, uh, the states that had more population, I should say, um, and were richer because of commerce, lorded themselves over the, the smaller states like Rhode Island and New Jersey and Delaware and Maryland, for give you a few instances. And um, so whatever New York and, and those other um, larger states would say um, would actually become law, and the uh, smaller states would not have a, really have a say in the matter. But with the Electoral College, the smaller states do have a say in the matter. It could be one little state that could push one person into office and uh, deny the other person office, you know. So it's it's very fair. And uh, those people that want to get rid of it are usually the ones that um, that know that socialist uh, population of this country is growing. So they want the popular vote so that they can um, use it to uh, claim victory every time. But... Um, one thing I've always said is that the states that are uh, that have the less votes because they have less population. Um, I'm talking about the Midwest states primarily, and um, some of the southern states are the places where everybody grows everything that everybody eats. So a simple solution would, you know, for me, you know, would be okay. You know, you have more electoral votes, you have more say. Well, we're just not going to ship our food to Los Angeles or or New York or or, whatever, or Chicago, or whatever other city, and then uh, maybe we can starve you people into giving us some rights. Um, I know a lot of people would say that that's a wrong thing to do, but, you know, sometimes drastic times deserve drastic measures. So, um, anyway, um, the form of government that the socialists want us to have, wants us to have here in this, this country would put us into a, a state of... Uh, um, like a banana republic, actually, it would be like Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela, before the chop, before Chavez took over, was a very prosperous country, and uh, I mean they were. I think in South America they were the second richest country. Um, they have a lot of oil resources. They're they're able to grow a lot of food there. Um, but after Chavez got in and you know and started. Um, taking over the farms, which is the first one of the first things that communists do, and uh, nationalize the oil system and stuff like that. A lot of people lost their jobs. Um, stores had to close. Does that sound familiar to you? Um, and a lot of people lost their their way to make a living. 
And now people are digging through garbage dumps trying to find little scraps of food to eat. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that to happen to me or anybody in my family or anybody in your family for that matter. But um, these these useful idiots that are are going to these colleges and being taught by uh, useful idiots that have degrees uh, in certain subjects are uh, filling the brains of the, our children and our grandchildren with a bunch of mush to think that this is a, a, an equitable way to live under the guise that everybody will be equal. Well, no, everybody won't be equal. Talk to people that lived in the former Soviet Union or um, or any, you know, <laughs> you know, Belarus, um, Poland, whatever. And they're going to tell you that, no, there's always a few people that have uh, have it better than others, and those are party members usually. And they lord it over um, all the other people in the country. And uh, more people were killed out of starvation and everything in China and Russia and, uh, in the 20th century than um, it will probably ever be numbered, you know. And uh, if they're not killing people that way, they're killing them through purges. Uh, then they, they pick their petty little causes like religion because Marx said that religion is the opiate of the people. So religion can't exist freely anyway. There's always a state church, but it's run by the state. And it's not run by the Lord Jesus Christ or Yeshua HaMashiach. Um, so people flock and they, they form illegal churches, illegal because the state calls them illegal. And uh, they're usually scooped up and thrown into gulags for as long as the state thinks they need to be in the gulags uh, or prison camps or whatever you want to call them. Um, I, I say gulags because that's the Soviet term and uh, everybody else modeled their systems after the Soviets or the Maoists now. Um, but anyway... Um, to get a loaf of bread, you had to stand in line sometimes for hours in the former Soviet Union. Um, if you weren't a, mem- um, a member of the Communist Party, um, I know some people that 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 lived in Armenia before uh, the fall of communism, and I guess they grew up in Armenia uh, when they were kids too. But um, and I said, you know, I said, when you were in school and you had to recite all that stuff, how did you do it, even though you had the conviction that the, that what you were saying was wrong? And she says, we just said it so that we could, you know, we could get our ration of bread and uh, and everything else. You know, we, we didn't believe it, but we just said it. And um, and. It's just the the law was terrible. I remember watching, uh, they had a video of a meal, I think some kind of holiday meal. Might have been a Christmas meal, I'm not sure. And the room was kind of darkened. And then in order to get light in the room, they had to actually hook a light bulb up to a 12-volt battery. And um, as soon as the dinner was over, that 12-volt battery got unhooked so they could save the battery. So, you know, if you want that, then that's, (laughs) then you're, you uh, you advocate for communism and socialism. If you don't want that, well, then um, you advocate for uh, a Republican form of government. And I'm not saying you have to become a Republican. It's just that you support a republic instead of a dictatorship or a... Um, oh, God, I'm sorry. It's, I'm tired and it's late. Um, a democracy. Democracy always leads to mob rule, which maybe we should... Um, now get into some of the 
Um, I found some websites that had some of the um, words of the founding fathers. And uh, I'm going to read from an article that's called Why the Founding Fathers Despised Democracy. Okay. And here goes the article. Um, Plato wrote in The Republic, uh, quote, and so tyranny naturally arises out of democracy, end of quote. And the founding fathers despised democracies. They desired democratic principles, but not a democracy. As Plato decrees above, democracy can easily be commandeered to, to establish a totalitarian state. The founders inherently understood this and wholly rejected forming a democracy. Democracies have been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have even been found um, incompatible with personal security and rights of property, and have in general been short in their lives, and they have been violent in their deaths, talking about democracies. Um, and Madison goes on splendidly explaining how this thing, um, this very erroneous belief held by collectivists destroys property rights, which is founded on a free society. Remember life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness? Well, it actually started out life, liberty, and property, but that got changed, and that was one of the contentions that, um, uh, oh, not Nathan Hale, um, well, one, one of the founders uh, didn't like that being changed, and, and rightfully so. Uh, theoretic, uh, excuse me, theoretic politicians who have patronized this species of government, government have erroneously supposed that by reducing mankind to a perfect equity in their political rights, they would they would at the same time be perfectly uh, equalized and assimilated in, in their possessions, their opinions, and their passions. Sounds like communism to me. Uh, you ever hear about how they want to redistribute wealth? That means taken from the rich and given to the poor. But um, look at the old Soviet Union, and you realize that they took from the uh, from anybody that had anything and basically kept it for themselves. And then maybe if they felt on a good day, they felt like giving, they would give a little to the public, but very rarely. Um, Madison reiterates the view of Plato over 2000 years prior when in the Republic, Plato writes that the loss of principles sends a democracy spiraling into tyranny. The neglect of other things, writes Plato, introduce the change in democracy, which occasions a demand for tyranny. Just as Samuel warned the Israelites nearly 3,000 years ago, as their principles and faith in God waned, Plato issued a warning which has now befallen the United States. With each presidential cycle, many Americans demand a powerful strongman to ease their suffering and falsely and foolishly believe that they are a democracy. The same disease magnified and intensified by liberty overmasters democracy. The true being that the excessive increase of anything often causes a re reaction in the opposite direction, forewarns Plato, um, where he says the excessive liberty, whether in states or individuals, seems to pass 
into excessive excess slavery and so tyranny naturally arises out of democracy okay this is really weird this guy's name is Cincinnatus spelled like Cincinnati but Cincinnatus um, in, in uh, anti-federalist number 64 gives a description of a democracy a democracy declares Cincinnatus which thus bereft of its powers and shorn of its strength will stand a melancholy monument of popular impotence. Not a raving support of such governmental structures flowing from the pen of Cincinnatus disclosing the disdain of our our founders had for such a political structure. In fact, the word democracy appears nowhere, absolutely nowhere in either the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, and Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution guarantees to every state, is this union a Republican form of government? James Madison, known as the father of the Constitution, states we are to exist under Republican constitutions, referencing both the federal constitutions and the state constitutions, not constituents, not constituents, situations under a democracy okay let me scroll a little bit the function the functional deficiency of a democracy is unpredicted majority rule or tyranny of the majority the majority cannot rule otherwise um, it could and would simply vote in advantages and even the theft and destruction of the minority this is the very reason for a moral compact recognizing fundamental rights or our natural right or nat or natural right rights which are bestowed upon us by our creator. Therefore, regardless of majority opinion or vote, these natural rights remain always utterly undisturbed by others, whether government or the majority. The only purpose of a civil government is to protect the natural rights. Adam Smith uh, elucidated in 1759 that, quote, all government is but imperfect remedy for the deficiency of wisdom and virtue, unquote. Thus acknowledging the fallen nature of man, as did our forefathers and the founding fathers. California State University professor of political science, Edward Erler, expands his point writing, the majority cannot invade the rights of the minority, nor can the unanimous consent rightfully do what is intrinsically unjust. Majority rule itself can operate only within certain bounds. Yes, quite often the voice of the majority is completely irrelevant, um, as even the voice of the majority is bound to the sovereign rights of the individual and those rights which God bequeathed upon each of us at creation. Attorney and Professor Jenna Ellis explains, quote, it does not matter to divine law whether an individual agrees with biblical principles. We are not free under divine law to negotiate the fixed, the fixed objective scientific and constructive law, natural law, God's law, is immutable and immovable. And this is why America is a 
uh, conscious republic, not a democracy. Okay. So there you have it. The rest of the things are um, footnotes. So I remember uh, my grandfather, well, excuse me, great, great grand, my mother's grandfather, let's just put it that way, <laughs> um, served in the uh, Panama Canal Zone uh, during World War II, or World War One, excuse me. <clears throat> and he brought home a book, and I've got it somewhere in storage and um, I got to get it out of storage because it's very intrinsic book for everybody to read but it was given to U.S. soldiers back in um, the early 1900s and every soldier received a copy of it and it talked about the differences between a republic and a democracy and um, it really explains it well and I wish I had it in front of me to read to you um, but I don't and um, but if it was thought of as um Essential enough to hand out to every soldier back in 1916. I think it's um, intrinsic enough for us to be reading today. And it's because that book has not been read that uh, we find ourselves partially in the mess that we're in today. Okay. So I found some Founding Fathers quotes. Okay. And I'd like to read them to you. Because we're talking about the people that started this country and what their their idea was, what their impetus was, what what they had seen in other societies, and how those things hadn't worked, so they weren't going to do those things. So um, anyway, a quote from uh, John Adams in a letter to Thomas Jefferson, uh, written on August twenty fourth, eighteen fifteen. And he says, as to the history of the revolution, my ideas may be peculiar, perhaps singular. What do we mean by revolution? The war? That was no part of the revolution. It was only an effect and consequence of it. The revolution was in the minds of the people. And this was an effect from 1760 to 1775 in the course of 15 years before a drop of blood was shed at Lexington. Okay. Um, A quote from George Washington. In having pleased the almighty ruler of the universe to defend the cause of the United States, United American States, and finally to raise up a powerful friend among the princes of the earth, to establish our liberty and independence upon a lasting foundation, it becomes set, it becomes us to set apart a day for gratefully acknowledging the divine goodness and celebrating the important event which we owe to his divine interposition. So, so he was talking about either Thanksgiving or the 4th of July. Um, Thomas Paine, um, wrote in the American Crisis, number one, December 19, 1776. He says, these are the times that try men's souls. Where have you heard that before? (laughs) Probably from here. Um, The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands is is now, deserves the love and the thanks of men and women, Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, yet we have the consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. 
And boy, how many people do you see out there that um, are uh, summer soldiers and sunshine patriots? You know, they they're out there waving their flags when everything's going good, but when when they're called upon to uh, to fight the good fight, um, they can't be found. I I'm one of those people that um, that uh, you know, if an idea sounds good and it's it's something that we we need to implement, and other people agree. Uh, for some reason, I, I always happen to be the one that happens to be the voice piece of that. And there's been so many times when, you know, I've had 15 or 20 people behind me um, agreeing with me on something. And then when we go to whoever we're going to talk to, whether it be a supervisor or a pastor or whatever, um, I find myself uh, listening to crickets in the background and I'm the only one speaking. So I've learned a long time ago, you know, that uh, if you're going to stand with me, um, we're going to hold hands and you're going to stand with me because I'm not going to have you leaving me to um, to die in front of the enemy, <laughs> being the only person that talks. Because if you say hey, everybody thinks this way, they, they're like, well, who's everybody? I don't see anybody. Um Okay, and then let's see. We got Thomas Paine said the period of the of debate is closed. Arms as the last resource decide the contest. The blood of the slain, the weeping voice of the nature of nature cries, "Tis time to part." Talking about shedding ourselves from tyranny. Okay, and that was uh, from his book Common Sense, written in 1776. Very good book, by the way. Should read it. Um, George Washington and General Orders from Headquarters, New York, uh, July 2nd, 1776, said, Let us therefore animate and encourage each other to show the whole world that a free man contending for liberty on his own ground is superior to any slavish mercenary on earth. Ooh. That's why... The Constitution originally said life, liberty, and property instead of the pursuit of happiness. Okay. All right. Now we got another one from, excuse me, from George Washington, addressed to the Continental Army before the Battle of Long Island on August 27th of 1776. The time is now near and at hand, which uh, must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves, whether they have any property they can call their own whether their homes and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed and themselves consigned to a state of wretchedness from which no human efforts will deliver them. The fate of unborn millions, that's me and you folks, will now depend upon God and the courage and conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us only with the choice of brave resistance or with the, or the most abject submission. We therefore, we have therefore to resolve to conquer or die. Okay, and he's talking, man, the fate of unborn millions. That's me and you. And that's why when I talk about our fighting for our, our children and grandchildren, that's, if, if for nothing else, fight for that reason. Okay. Um, and Washington also said in a letter to Benedict Arnold, <laughs> Um, on September 14, 1775, every post is honorable in which a man can serve his country. 
So in other words, if there's people out there fighting and you're a cook and that's all you can do is cook, or if you're disabled and you only have one thing that you can do, you need to be doing it while the other guys are fighting the war. You'll, you'll in turn be fighting the war by helping them. Okay. Or the battle or, or whatever thing that is to be overcome. Um, John Adams, a letter to Abigail Adams, June, July 3rd, 1776. I am well aware of the toil and the blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and to support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory, and I can see the end is worth more than all the means. Man, oh man, beautiful. Uh, Benjamin Franklin. Um, as Britain began to use force, it seemed absolutely necessary that we should be prepared to repel force with force. It is true, the old saying, that, um, this is important, it is, true, it is a true old saying that make yourself sheep and the wolves will eat with you. Well, the wolves will eat you. Uh, to which I may add another, God helps them that help themselves, which is not in scripture, by the way. Um, the general was secure, I suppose, that we would never be able to return the um, outrage in kind, but the defeat of a great body of his troops by the country people at Lexington and the action at Bunker Hill, in which they were twice repulsed, and the third time gained dear victory was enough to convince the ministers that the American fight, the Americans can fight, and that this was a harder nut to crack than they imagined. Speaking of the British, um, and Patrick Henry says so eloquently, I am not a Virginian, but I am an American. I'm not an Oregonian, I'm an American. Um, our brother that's on here every week, uh, Brian, is in a Californian. He's an American. And you, you know, just substitute your name or a place you're from. We're all Americans fighting for the same cause. And believe me, it's going to be a fight. Um, John Adams, in a letter to Abigail Adams again, May 29, 1775, Colonel Washington appears at Congress in his uniform and by his great experience and abilities in military matters, is of such service to us. Oh, that I were a soldier. I will be. I am reading military books. Every Everyone, excuse me, everybody must, and I will, and I shall be a soldier. There's dedication for you. Patrick Henry, speaking to the Virginia legislature, March 23rd, 1775. There is no retreat, but in submission and slavery, our chains are forged. Their clanking can be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable. Boy, isn't that the truth? And let it come. I repeat, sir, let it come. It is in vain, sir, to ex extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. The next gale that surveys from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand idle here? If life is so dark 
or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery forbid it almighty god um i know what i know not what course others may take but as for me give me liberty or give me death oh man uh john adams letter to a friend 1774 sink or swim live or die Survivor perish. I am with my country from this day on. You may depend on it. <laughs> Simple but very powerful words. Uh, John Adams, um, Novangius paper, 1774. A settled plan to deprive the people of all benefits, blessings, and ends to a contract to subvert the fundamentals of, of the Constitution to deprive them of all Share in making and ex- ex- executing laws will justify a revolution. Isn't that what's happening in our nation today? They're changing everything and making everything a crime that we that we've always held to be true and dear. Okay, John Adams' diary entry into the Boston Tea Party, December seventeenth, seventeen seventy-three. This is the most magnificent movement of all. There is a dignity, a majesty, a sublimity in this last effort of patriots that I greatly admire. The people should never rise without doing something to be remembered, something notable and striking. This destruction of the tea is so bold, so daring, so firm, intrepid and inflexible, and it must have so important consequences and so lasting that I can't but consider it as an epoch in history. Beautiful. Thomas Jefferson, in a summary view of the rights of British America, 1774, the God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time. There we go. Couple more. The die is cast. The people have passed the river and cut away the bridge. John Adams, writing about the Boston Tea Party. You cut away the bridge. You can't go back. You just keep moving forward. Hallelujah and amen. Um, and the last one. Then join hand in hand, brave Americans all. By uniting we stand. By dividing we fall. That was written by John Dickinson. The Liberty Song, 1768. Um, let's see if we read that. Okay, and the last one that I want to quote before we wind this thing up is um, a quotation from um, Thomas Jefferson. And I'm getting this from the uh, the Jefferson Monticello. It's a uh, at Monticello, excuse me, dot org. Um, forward slash site, forward slash research and collection forward slash little rebellion quotation. Okay. All right. And he says, societies exist under three forms sufficiently distinguishable. One, without government as among our Indians. Two, under governments wherein the will of everyone has a just influence as is in the case of England in a slight degree and in our states and in our states in a great one great degree that is number three uh, under governments of force as is the case 
in all monarchies and in most of the other republics. Um, to have an idea of the curse of existence under these last, they must be seen. It is a government of wolves over sheep. It is a problem not clear in, the, in my mind that the first collection is not the best. The first condition is not the best, but I believe it to be inconsistent with any great degree of population. The second state has a, has a great deal of good in it. The mass of mankind under that enjoys the precious degree of liberty and happiness. It has its evils, too, the principle of which is turbulence to which it is subjected. Um, but wait this against the oppressions of monarchy and it becomes nothing malo perculosum libertatum quam quietatum servitutum (laughs) I wish I knew Latin better Um, even as evil is uh, productive of good it presents the degeneracy of government and nourishes a general attention to public affairs. He says, and uh, this is in bold letters, I hold that it, excuse me, I hold it that a little rebellion now and then is a good thing and as necessary in a political world as storms in the physical. Unsuccessful rebellions in, and he goes back to, non-bold, um, unsuccessful rebellions indeed generally establish the uh, encroachments of the rights of the people which have produced them. An observation of this truth should render uh, render honest Republican governors so mild in their punishments of rebellions as not to discourage them too much. Um, it is the medicine necessary for the sound health of government. And that was Thomas Jefferson to John, James Madison um, in Paris, uh, January 30th, 1787. So um, a little rebellion is good from time to time. It kind of keeps the government in check. And uh, the second form of government, I agree with him <laughs> totally. So um, anyway, so where do we go from here? Um 2021 is going to be a very interesting year. Like I said, a lot of people have said that uh, it's going to be a year of relief because of 2020. No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a, uh, I think 2020 was a portend of what 2021 is going to be. You can't have all these things going on. You can't have voter fraud, this virus going on. Um, you can't have all these leftists subverting the law and everything and just the next year pretend like it never happened and make it go away. That's not going to happen. Um, I foresee, I foresee Trump getting back in office. I really do. I, I think that at the very least he'll, he'll use the, tw- the 12th amendment to get back in and he can do that very easily. Um, if the Supreme Court doesn't decide, but with John Roberts running things, um, I don't know if the Supreme Court is severely hindered with that man in there. Um, he's a, he's a, a rhino of the highest degree, and uh, he's um, he's an evil, wicked man, and uh, he's holding the other justices hostage, basically. So if they can find a way to get him out of there, 
hook or crook. They need to do it. Um, but they've refused to hear any of the Trump arguments. And in a way, it's kind of good because it forces them to go to the 12th Amendment and the 12th Amendment will get them in. Um, it'll null and void everything else. And um, you'll notice that at the beginning of or right after the election, uh, Hillary Clinton told uh, Joe Biden, whatever you do, don't concede. OK, because she knew that a concession would just throw throw there's the um the election to the Republicans, plus she knows that the concession speech has been customary forever anymore, it seems like. And that's basically putting up a white flag and saying, I surrender. Okay, Trump, um, there was an article today that Trump said he will absolutely not concede, um, which should be sending shivers up the spines of every leftist out there because there's enough evidence now for him to, to go to any court and prove that there was a, a high scale of um, and a high degree of corruption that occurred during this election. You can't have a man that didn't hardly ever go out and, and um, you know, um, debate or he didn't go out and uh, canvas uh, any pop, any decent populations um, of any number. And um, and yet get 80 million votes. <laughs> um, no, there's something of foul here, and um, it will be uncovered. And um, whatever course Trump decides to take, I support it wholeheartedly. I know that this um, this audio will never make it onto YouTube, but it will be on Rumble. <laughs> um, uh, YouTube is is matter of fact. We'll probably be getting rid of YouTube pretty soon and uh, automatically just put everything on Rumble because um, that's the way I see it going. But um, anyway, um, I think it's um, important that uh, we just uh, keep going strong and and, um, and keep having faith and that everything's going to be okay. Um, it's no, I'm not going to lie. 2021 is going to be a very difficult year for very many people. Um, our governor here in, or I should say the governor, she's not my governor here in, um, in Oregon has already extended COVID restrictions, uh, through the end of March, um, or to March 1st. I can't remember which, but anyway, she's just extended it three months. And, uh, when you consider the death rate from COVID, uh, versus the um, the population of Oregon, I think it's the death rate is like 0.000013, if I if I have my numbers correct, um, the mortality rate. Um, and as we know, a lot of these uh, these deaths are being attributed to COVID, but they're not. Um, they're they're really um, Maladies that people have been suffering from for years that that COVID might accentuate a little bit, but uh, when you're when you're if you look at a um, a death certificate, um, let's just say uh, I'm trying to think of my dad's um, or another person's, but it'll always list the main cause and it'll say um, exacerbated by. Um, 
In other words, somebody might have a, a brain injury, a very severe brain injury that's going to kill them anyway, but then they come down with pneumonia for whatever reason. Well, pneumonia didn't kill them. The brain injury did. The uh, pneumonia just brought it on faster, and that's what what COVID does. So it doesn't really kill people. It's It just accentuates the... Um, or exacerbates the uh, the main condition. Okay, a lot of uh, COVID deaths aren't really COVID deaths at all, but um, are being marked that way because hospitals get paid more money from the federal government if there's a COVID death. Um, some hospitals in New York City were, you know, fined very heavily for doing that, and they'll probably go to court and they'll probably be sued for a lot more money, but. Um, Anyway, this uh, this whole thing is a sham, and it's it's made to bring us into the new world order. And um, with God's help, you always help. I don't like to say God because there are a lot of different gods out there with small g's. Okay, um, there's only one God, and that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. And although those are cheap imitations. And um, so with Yahweh's help and a lot of our prayers, be in constant prayer. And don't be afraid to, to pray for supplication and forgiveness for our country because uh, we've been pretty a pretty wicked country. And um, abortion is just one way to illustrate that, but there are very many other ways. Um so we, we need to keep in prayer for our country constantly and that uh, the, that Yahweh would um, give us the uh, intuition, the strength, the advice, especially to, to President Trump, what he needs to do. And that um, Yahweh will present even more evidence against the sham of this election that, well, got Biden so many votes um, I don't know it's it's impossible that he that he did as well as he said he did it's just impossible and um, you know it's Facebook and um, Twitter and and the other formats can write all they want about how it was a fair and honest election but um, I'm sorry I'm, I'm sure that the newspapers in Venezuela said the same thing about the last few elections in Venezuela too so, um, anyway, um, I, like my friend from Armenia said, when I asked her about the press, she said, they, they only tell you what they want you to know. And, um, it, that's become more and more evident, um, over the past four years, actually probably, um, the past 12 years, because they did a lot of lying for Obama too. The press did. So, um, I, I highly endorse, um, Newsmax. If you can get Newsmax, um, oh, what's the other one? I get it on my phone all the time. Epic, Epic Times, um, or Epic News, and uh, they're very good, <clears throat> very non-biased, and um, very well. They just tell the truth. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Um, you know, stay stay clear from Twitter and Facebook because they're just, you know, your friends might publish something on there, but they might be gone tomorrow. Um, 
the uh, the delusion resistance and uh, my personal self and uh, opposing the matrix will be getting rid of our uh, Facebook's account uh, just a few days. Um, Facebook doesn't deserve to have good people on it anymore. Um, and if you read uh, or listen to the program that I did about the um, the gematria and what it reveals about uh, the founder of Facebook, <laughs> you'll you'll figure out the guy's a scoundrel, a crook, and uh, he might not even be totally human. So, um, and the same thing with the founder of Twitter. So, um, anyway, those things haven't been said. And with us having done an hour and 36 minutes already, I think I'm going to wind this thing down. And um, a couple of little news items here. Um, tomorrow night is going to be our 20th anniversary night. Um, since Jim Wilhelmson was with us at the beginning of Opposing the Matrix, he's been invited onto the show. He plans to talk about... Um, a fake rapture, and we'll have to see what that's all about, but I'm going to go on record right now as saying that um, the views of our guests are not necessarily the views of um, those of opposing the matrix, but everybody's got a right to say what they want to say. So um, take everything with a grain of salt tomorrow night. Um, and then I talked to Gordy Tong. If you've ever listen to this, or if you've listened to the show for any length of time, we've had Gordy on several times. He lives up in British Columbia, Canada, uh, Vancouver, I do believe, and um, has had some very interesting experiences and has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to anything UFO, anything Nephilim, um, Illuminati, um, the whole nine yards. So he'll be our guest the uh, the following um Sunday, or excuse me, Monday, which will be the uh, the 28th. So that'll be a really good show, too. And then I'm going to try to have more people on here more often. So, And try to do as many radio shows as, as uh, humanly possible with all the stuff that I've got going on. Because I'll be starting school again this uh, this spring. So um, just one class at a time. But that's uh, that's sufficient for, for right now. Um, Anyway, keep this ministry in prayer. Keep me in prayer. I've missed a lot of work um, because I haven't been feeling good because I think my personal feeling is uh, affects that uh, I had COVID earlier in the year, and I think it messed me up in some ways. I know it messed my lungs up. I've had a lot of shortness of breath, although tonight seemed to be pretty good, actually. Um but uh, climbing stairs and walking fast and stuff like that just totally knocks the breath out of me. And um, if we go out and do something in the morning, I, I always have to nap in the afternoon. And uh, when I'm at work, it makes it very difficult. I have to actually just keep walking around. I can't sit for any length of time because I want to fall asleep. Um, so there's something going on. So pray that uh, whatever it is is revealed finally. I think there was damage to my lungs and possibly to my heart. Um, the other day, I I spent a whole night and a whole almost a whole day with my pulse racing at about 106, and that was at rest. Um, and that makes me very tired. And um, so there are things going on that I need prayer for in the health department. So um, if you'd kindly do that, that'd be great. And um, I don't want to lose my job, of course. <laughs> So I need um, 
there are avenues that they can afford me to to pay me. People can donate hours, so pray that that happens if you would. And um, I'm going to be talking to the doctor about. Um, actually, I'm going to be going on the Americans with Disability Act, so um, that'll be good. And um, anyway, so so you know what's going on the next two Mondays, and um, so. Uh, Oh, and by the way, Eric is going to be um, leaving us. Uh, tomorrow night will be his last show with us. Um, he's going to hang out with Jim Wilhelmson. Jim is going to have his own show on Wednesday nights, and Eric's going to be his co-host. Um, I uh, I wrote Eric a letter and told him that, you know, it, being a family man and stuff, it's going to be difficult for him to do two nights a week, and um, that his family is his first ministry, and uh he should probably attend to his family and, and to help Jim out as much as possible because uh, technologically wise, Jim needs a lot of help. And um, uh, Eric agreed with all those things. And so um, we'll be saying farewell to him, uh, not permanently, you know, but uh, for the most part on uh, Monday nights. So it'll just be me and Brian. Uh, Brian is uh, very astute when it comes to biblical studies uh, Brian has been given the gift of uh, the prophetic gift, and uh, um, and it's very accurate. He's also a very good teacher and a preacher, and um, and but he's very interested in uh, in the scope of studies that we we get into on this show. So um, there's not very much that I can teach Brian that he doesn't already know. <laughs> so um, anyway, so that's the condition of what's going on, what we'll be doing. And so I just pray in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach that you have a blessed evening, blessed day tomorrow, and then uh, we will see you hopefully tomorrow night. I will be here. Hopefully you will. And um, we will see what Jim has to present us. So, and it will be our 20th anniversary. So praise the Lord. 20 years is a long time to go on a radio show. I keep saying 20, 10 years. Started in 2010. Although we were kind of guests for two years before that on other shows and stuff. So, um, anyway, um, be blessed and we will see you tomorrow and hopefully. And, um, well, just, um, keep in constant prayer about you, yourself, your, your loved ones. And, and, uh, God is not afraid to answer questions. Yahweh is not afraid to answer questions. So, um, inquire of him what he wants you to do and uh, he'll be faithful and true to let you know um, dark days coming ahead but uh, our God is the light that uh, shines in the darkness and reveals what is hidden in the darkness so um, we have him and we have his holy angels fighting alongside us so uh, so in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I say good night and we shall see you tomorrow. Goodbye, y'all.